We spend so much time and energy deciding who's who's in and, and who's out. And what's interesting is we are always part of the group, at least in our minds, who are in, right? Like almost instinctively, we emphasize our distinctions and our differences to set us apart from them, really. And this whole thing is really as old as humanity. In fact, even many animal species do this. This is our tribe, this is our, our group, and that is not, right? But Jesus brought something better. Jesus brought something more. Jesus brought something that outshines every distinction we use to divide ourselves. He brought an actual better way to be human. So let's talk about it together. What defines you? Like, what is it that makes you different from them? And how do you decide who your people are? Like, who is your we? See, we usually define our me within the framework of our perceived we. And we create so many categories to make sure that we feel our we is the we who is in. Like, do we have the right values, or maybe it's how your we has, what, what amount of money your we has, or how that we uses the money, or how they view money, or, or politics, or entertainment, like sports is really good with this, like this is our we, and we say, we won the game, even though you've never even like touched a ball. We define our we by level of education, even parenting style, like this is our we, and it can go deep, like, like race, and religion, which has so many different categories of this is our we. In fact, I've even caught myself making like checking to make sure certain pastors are part of my we. See, the problem is when our worth is wrapped up in the identities we give ourselves, we fight for those identities to be the right one, to make ourselves feel better, to make ourselves feel more righteous, to make ourselves just feel more than others. And when that happens, we can't help but demean and vilify the others. Like we can't even describe what we are for without demonizing all the groups and things we are against. We try to legitimize our we by vilifying someone else's we. And even more, when we do that, we become prisoners. We become trapped in the identities that we've chosen for ourselves. Like we have to stay loyal to this we. We have to stay a true believer and we can't step out of line. We can't even say like, well, maybe they, that we, they, maybe they have a good point because if we do, we might be, start being seen as unfaithful or lukewarm, or maybe somebody might say we're one of those, or maybe we're starting to lean that direction. And we might lose that identity we've built for ourselves. This whole group we said is our we. And so we start creating silos and we become angry and and empty and always worried that we or, or our people might be losing. And we really miss out on finding our own unique purpose, how we can add our own unique role to the story of God and humanity. But Jesus offers something so much better, so much deeper, so much more satisfying, lasting, and real. See, Jesus offers a new and better me through a new and all-inclusive we. It's, this is something that even the first Jesus followers really had difficulty grasping. In the ancient world, like there were these divisions, and I feel like they were even deeper. Like your religion was based on your race and, and your nation, and so each little aspect had its own divisions. This is our we, and we will kill that we in order to have their resources, make sure they don't steal ours. 
And there are these social we's like slaves and, and free people, and they did not intermix. Even in Pompeii, you have bodies of the rich and the poor on different sides as they die from the volcano. You have the rich and the poor. You have male and female. It's really all based on power, these different we's that people would set themselves up in. And at the early beginning of Christianity, there were some Jewish Christians who came to the Jesus-following communities around the region of Galatia. And they were saying that new Jesus followers needed to identify as their we, Jews. They needed to obey the laws of the Torah. And even for the guys, they needed to have a little surgery to be part of the Jewish identity of we. And so around 48 AD, the Apostle Paul writes to these communities of Jesus followers. And he says, hey, requiring Jesus followers to identify with the Jewish laws and the religion in order to be in, in order to be there, we, it completely erases what the good news of Jesus really is all about. And in the middle of his letter to these Jesus followers, he basically just lays it out. And it's a very famous, and it's a, it's a like defining paragraph that we're going to look at in a minute. And for the Jesus follower, when we go through this, I want you to see that this is what you are. What Paul's about to describe is what you are as a Jesus follower. And if you haven't claimed that role yet, you're just kind of checking out what this Jesus thing is. This, I want you to see, is what you are invited to and what you're invited to be. And so Paul, talking to these Galatian Jesus followers, is saying, hey, Jesus followers aren't part of this old Jewish view of we. Instead, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. And there's so much there. It's, it's so deep and beautiful. So let's break it down a little bit. He starts by saying, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That word all, you are all children of God. I was so, it's, I think it's hard for us to grasp just what a big deal this was and really what a big deal this is. See, Paul's not just talking about this mystic, ethereal idea of being children of God. He's talking about a privileged position that was once thought that was it was just reserved for the physical descendants of Abraham, the Jews. But now this privileged position is being offered and given to anyone and everyone who wants it. And it's not dependent anymore on being born into the Jewish nation and, and observing a set of religious laws. The only requirement is trust in and allegiance to Jesus. See, for, for these people, the old system was Jews, they were the children of God. If you're a Jewish person, you are a child of God. If you're, but if you're a Gentile and non-Jew, then you know not so much. They had a, a nice word that they called them sinners, right? You had the Jews and the sinners. And Paul says, now anyone can be in. That was the old system. Now anyone can be in. And that's the good news of Jesus, that God's love and grace is offered to everyone and anyone this was shocking to these Jewish people who were coming in to, to the church. It was offensive, right? It just seemed too easy, too, too inclusive. And I think for us, when we really think about it, we still kind of argue 
that it's too easy, right? This whole idea of inclusivity, is, it's just too easy. We think we need to do something to earn it, do something to, to deserve it, clean ourselves up a little bit in order for God to actually like us, right? We've got to do our part. But that's the point. See, when think about it. When a child is adopted into a family or born into a family, it isn't because they earned it. It's because the parents have chosen to love that child exactly as they are, exactly who they are. They have chosen to create a new we simply because they've chosen to love that child. See, God's acceptance and inclusion seems unfair because it is. None of us deserve it. None of us can earn it. And he includes all of us, no matter who we are. In fact, if you really want to dig deeper, check out the parable of the workers in the field in Matthew 20. This will show you just how unfair God's love really is. So this privileged position, what is it? Like, what does it mean to be children of God? What does it mean to join this new we? Well, Paul goes on. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. He's talking about, which we talked about in the last episode, this complete transformation of identity, of identifying with Jesus and his family, his, his community. That he says you're united with Christ in baptism. Other translations would say that you are baptized into Christ. And this, the baptism act, it, that's not what unifies us. It's the baptism symbol symbolizes what has already happened. It's a picture of a reality that already is. It's kind of like a wedding ceremony, right? When you, when you choose to marry somebody, you're already committed to them, right? You're, you already know you want to spend the rest of your life with them. The ceremony doesn't make you committed. The choice has already been made. The ceremony is a symbol. It's an expression to the world and, and yourselves that this commitment, this is the commitment you have made. It's a moment in time that shows that you have made a lifelong, life-changing, and life-consuming commitment. But this new life requires your old life to die. Just as getting married is, is like death, I probably should reword that. I might get in trouble. But just as get, like, getting married is, is a death of your single self, it's the death of whoever you would become with anyone else or even on your own. The old you, the, the, your old single hopes, your, your dreams, your motivations die and are reborn into something, someone new and usually better. And becoming a child of God is similar. See, when we are reborn as children of God, every other identity dies. It's a death. It's a death of who we used to think we were. It's a death of not just our old us, but what we used to use to define our old us. And this baptism symbolizes the death of the old self, but with death comes resurrection. So it symbolizes the death of our old self, but also symbolizes the rebirth of ourselves as children of God. And so if you're a Jesus follower, you kind of need to get baptized to, to have this, this moment, the symbolism of I have transferred from my old self to my new self. That's a whole different conversation though. So Paul describes this as putting on new clothes. He says, putting on Christ. Those who have been united to Jesus have taken off the old clothes they used to identify themselves. The things we put on us to say, oh, this is who me is. This is this is my we, right? Whether it's, it's our family, it's our socioeconomic status, it's our race, it's our politics, whatever. Whatever the old me was, that we take off. And then we have put on a new identity, the new identity of Jesus, where we are completely and wholly identify with 
Jesus, meaning our thoughts, our motivations, our passions, even what we celebrate and what we mourn are influenced, are permeated by Jesus. Having done that, we are united to everyone else who has put on the same identity. We are united to a new we. How? Well, Paul explains it, and this part is the actually truly countercultural, earth-shattering part. In fact, it's still challenging all the distinctions with which we try to define ourselves today. This, what Paul's about to say was so extreme then, and really, if we think about it, it's very extreme still today. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul is not saying that those distinctions don't actually exist in the real world, because obviously there's still racial and social and, and gender distinctions in our world. They exist, and some of them are really beautiful differences that we can bring together to create a really cool picture. But what he's saying is those are not our true. Those are not our primary. Those are not our driving identities anymore. For a Jesus follower, our identity is now a child of God. And for the ancient mind, these distinctions were everything. Like These were your identity. This is how you made sense of your place in the world. If you were a Jew, you were good. If you were a Gentile, you were unclean. A slave throughout the ancient world was you were unworthy. You had lost. You deserved this. The gods were punishing you in some way. If you were free, well, then you had the power. You were blessed by God or the gods, and you were better than anyone who was enslaved, especially if you're male, because then you are God's chosen gender. You're God's preferred gender. You are the, the right gender, where if you're female, you're inferior, you're weaker, you're dependent. In fact, even Aristotle said women are just unfinished men. But in the family of God, all are equal. No one has more privilege, no one has more access, no one has more importance, power, or standing over the other. And this is earth shattering for the ancient world. And if we really grabbed it now, it would be earth shattering now. See, the good news of Jesus creates a new people whose identity is no longer gender, wealth, race, religion, politics, borders, language, culture, but Jesus and his family. All divisions, prejudices, and hierarchies that we use to define our we are meaningless in Jesus. See, these distinctions have no bearing on our standing with God, and therefore, they should have no bearing on our standing with each other. In the Jesus community, there is no hierarchy. That's what, God, that's what Jesus was getting at when he said, like, the greatest of you will be the servant of all, as he says in Luke 22. For the Jesus community, this removal of inequalities, it's not an option. It's not like this, this nice idea that we'll try to get to at some point. It's not optional. It is the essence of the good news of Jesus. And Paul is saying, if you are a child of God, this is your, if you are a part of the Jesus community, this is our identity now. A new multi-ethnic family of God. A we based only on Jesus. It's like a, a family of me's defined, defined by the same he. See, becoming a child of God is an identity changing rebirth. Because the child of God no longer identifies with the we's of Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative or white or black or brown or gay or straight or boss and employee or rich and poor or Baptist, Lutheran or Catholic. Anything we use to make ourselves in while we make others out. Even, think about this, even our identity as a Christian doesn't actually define a true child of God. Jesus does. See, I think we can be Christian 
and not really be a child of God in this sense. We can be so caught up in the we of Christianity and our own culture and words and clothes and music that we miss out on what it really means to be a child of God. The we of Christian, if you think about it, can really mean so many different things. It can be, yeah, I'm born again, but with different varying levels of commitment, um, or it's a religious affiliation with little understanding of what it really means, or even really any little commitment. And even a Christian, especially today, and we got to fight for our values, it's like a cultural identifier with little to no allegiance to Jesus, or even transformation of who we would have been without Jesus. That's why maybe you watching this, and if you made it this far, good job, why you might have quit Christianity, the church, and rejected it, not because of Jesus, but because of those who claimed to be we and were nothing like the he that they claimed to be following. But when we truly embrace this new identity, when we live it out, what is the result? What is the benefit of being part of this we? And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. See, the Jews were so proud of being descended from Abraham because that meant that they were the recipients of God's promise to Abraham. They were God's promised people. And now Paul is saying, all children of God have this promise. So what is the promise? Well, God gave it to Abraham in Genesis 12. He said, all families on earth will be blessed through you. See, not only does becoming a child of God change our identity, but with that identity comes a new purpose, a new privilege to be a blessing to the rest of humanity. See, the family of God is a new multi-ethnic we created to bless every other we on earth. And blessing, like literally, if you look up the word blessing, it means like God send, a good thing, being sent from God to do good to others, to bring good to others on behalf of God. Children of God are, as author, theologian, and pastor Tim Mackey says, new humans who fulfill the law by loving God and others because of what Jesus did for us that we could never do for ourselves. That's what it means to be a child of God. I think it's really good to think through this at, at a personal level, for sure. Like not just, not just to listen to like what I said or read it and then move on. I think it's important that we stop and ask some questions. And so first, have you accepted Jesus's offer to be a child of God? Have you? If not, then my question is, why not? I think that's a fair question. I'm not trying to pressure. I'm not trying to trap you in any way. I think it's really good for us all to be aware of what, why we choose what we choose and why we reject what we reject. So have you accepted that offer? And if not, why not? And if you have accepted, next question, what identities, what distinctions, what we's have you placed on yourself above the fact that you are a child of God? What have you placed above being a child of God in your own personal identity of who you are? And then finally, have you written off, have you judged a child of God because of some other distinction? Have you said, well, they're not as good as me because they vote this way. They're not as good as me because they look or they use their money or they parent their kids this way, even though they are a child of God, just like you. Have you done that? I, probably. So then second part of that question, if so, what are you going to do about it? What change are you gonna make? What, what hurt are you going to be a part of healing? 
See, the good news of Jesus is that no matter who we are, no matter where we are from, no matter what we have done, we are invited to accept a new identity as a true child of God, fully loved and fully accepted. And no, it won't always be easy to let the old identities, the old we's, die. But the life we find on the other end, the life we find on the resurrection of that, is completely worth it. See, our false identities and divisions fade away as we continually embrace our identity as a child of God. Thank you for watching this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We are a church located physically in Salem, Oregon, and we are inviting our neighbors to discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers together. We meet regularly on Sundays starting at 4.30 p.m. at 525 Idlewood Drive, information in the show notes or on the screen. And you're invited to come every week as we uh, sing some songs. John will share a message similar to the one that is going to be on the episodes over the weekend and we'll take communion together. We'll also share a snack afterwards and it's just a great time to meet people. So you're invited to those gatherings that are now happening weekly on 4.30 on Sundays. We also have connect groups that meet weekly in homes. If you'd like to sign up for a connect group, uh, go to yourcrosscreek.com connect and find out more about those connect groups. If you're in middle school or high school, we have a youth connect that meets on the first and third Sundays after our church services at 525 Idlewood Drive. You can find out more about that also on our website, yourcrosscreek.com youth. Uh, check out our website for lots of information, follow us on social media, and we'll see you soon.